passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What is up? What is good? What is happening? This is the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com, brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, glad you guys are here. Thanks for being a part of the show. We love bringing it to you. We love you being a part of the IC family. Latest edition of the Coast to Coast podcast goes now. I am Joey Powell, simply your host. The two guys that are with me are the two guys you came to hear. Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran. Sean, how are you on the West Coast? Doing doing well. Cheryl, how are you on the East Coast? Good. Excited to talk a little Carolina and with our special guest as well. Special guest, that's right. We'll we'll tease that and we'll we'll kind of hit you guys up uh, midway through the episode and, and let you know who's coming. But um, we're excited to talk to him. I think the young man will bring a lot to the show. But boys, two games, two North Carolina wins. Sherelle, you've said it before. These shows are always more fun to do when North Carolina has something positive to talk about. They gave us that this week, right? Uh, seventy-two to sixty-four win at home over Boston College, and then an eighty to sixty-nine win over NC State. If you look at the stats, I think the magic number against NC State is 80 because for whatever reason, they seem to uh, get to 80 and and win when they play the Wolfpack. Uh, the BC game, I think, is one of those. And Shrill, you said it very eloquently in the post game with Tommy uh, Ashley right after that one. That's one of those where you burn the tape and nobody will remember anything about it afterwards. You know, it was a win. You did what you were supposed to do. It wasn't pretty. You move on. But after these two wins... Listening to Hubert Davis in his postgame, he talked about things uh, where he felt like this team was improving. Someone asked him, you know, where they are in the season, and he kind of reframed it and said, hey, I'd rather look at it as are we improving, and he thinks the Tar Heels are. So, Sherelle, I'm going to come to you. What has this team improved upon? I think uh, defensively they're playing better. I don't think they're great or Maybe not even good by any stretch just yet, but I think they're better than they were, which is saying something. And um, if you want to draw parallels to last year, which you know people were going to do, um, it was around this time that the defense started to improve. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a uh, rocket ship improvement where they went from 
you know, 97th and Gimbom to 10th and Gimbom <laughs> in two games. What would it that even more, look like? Yeah, I, yeah those <laughs> might like two points, I guess. <laughs> it was more of, you know, uh, you know, 97 to 65 to 58 to 43, on and on and on until they got into the top 20. Um, so you, the hope, I think, from Hero Davis is that you see that kind of defensive improvement. But I think that's where I would start because offensively, you know, we, we said this last year and there were times where it was a struggle, but they seem to be able to score 80 points, you know, pretty, pretty normally. I think they're averaging right around that. So you don't worry so much about the offense in the aggregate that they're going to end up with 80 points. You might worry how they get there. So I think now it's just really about defense and um, they're going to be playing some, some better offensive teams here in the next month. So I think defense is where they've shown some improvement. Uh, still a long way to go, but they've shown, definitely shown some improvement. Yeah, again, Hubert Davis's postgame comments after the game against uh, NC State said that the guys made a mistake by putting on tape that they could play better defensively, so now he can go back to them and, and see, see, you can do this. Sean, ask you the same question. What do you feel like this team has improved upon, uh, be it recently or over the course of two and a half months? Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing that we talked offensively and and they have been just dropping just little by little in Ken Palm to I think where they're now number 16 in the country. Um, and they have two players playing really at an all-American level with with Armando, who's been doing it since, uh, you know, he returned after the Virginia Tech game and RJ Davis, who's really been doing it since the start of, of 2023. Uh, so I think from an individual perspective, you have two guys playing at such a high level and that that obviously helps things for the bc game things got pretty pretty dicey in a game that was a little sluggish and they thought that i think everybody thought hey this is going to be a cakewalk and armando goes out for uh, uh you know several minutes in the second half and all of a sudden now it's down to to one point and they couldn't couldn't score um and even at the beginning of the nc state game i thought they had an opportunity to jump on them early and outside of the first basket, they really, really struggled that first four, four or five minutes. So I think there's, I mean, on both sides of the ball, there's still a lot of improvement. Uh, I, I think that can come, you know, as Pete Nance is further integrated into the offense. I think he's still, you know, trying to find his find his way a little bit. Uh, and then obviously Caleb Love, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on. But I think. It's really the the two individual players playing like all Americans, and you're you're getting um, other spot minutes, which I think need to definitely uh, definitely increase uh, as we as we go into a harder stretch of the season. You mentioned Pete Nance. Uh, I think a, a lot of folks probably did not have Pete Nance baptizing somebody on their bingo card for the NC State game, but he absolutely did and showed you know showed some uh, aggression that I don't think folks have seen, but definitely that Huber Davis and staff have been asking him for. Sean, I want to ask you, the North Carolina bench, when we did this episode last week, had been starting to provide some really positive things, not just statistically, but you know, cohesion, uh, a little more steadiness when they were asked and, and called upon during the games. Have not done as much this, uh, at least against NC State, and, and weren't great against Boston College. I know Puff Johnson was out against NC State as he's dealing with some knee issues. Sean, is that something to be concerned about? Or do you think it's probably just the fact that, you know, Huff is heard and, and it kind of throws things off a little bit? It's a great question. We, we've talked so much about developing a bench and, and finding roles. But at the end of the day, when it gets, you know, into whether it's next week or March, 
Uh, Heber Davis is not going to look to make a lot of substitutions unless he's forced to in the second half. But at the same time, you never know. Armando has been banged up. Uh, you know, there, there have been injuries. So you need to, you know, the, the bench needs to be ready to go when they are. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it, it's such a, the margin of, you know, th- there's such a small margin. Dontrez Styles goes in pretty early yesterday. And if that first layup goes down for him, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a different, different story in terms of him getting, getting some minutes, uh, you know, Seth Trimble can be great defensively. I think we thought the Wake Forest game was going to be his turning point offensively, but we still haven't seen really what he's, he's capable of. DeMarco Dunn was really the one player that did get playing time. And I think we've, we've seen that improvement, but it's really going to come down to, uh, you know, the bench playing well in the, in the spot minutes, providing a lift. I think Puff needs to be healthy. He's, he's, the one guy on the bench I feel most comfortable with in terms of inserting him in a starting role and getting some minutes, but DeMarco Dunn's going to need to play at a high level. Uh, and ideally one out of Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington, Dontrez, Don even Tyler Nickel, uh, when they get their minutes, they can come in and, and be productive. So I think it, it's, de- I don't know if it's something to worry about, but at the end of the day, Hubert's going to have a very thin bench in the second half, no matter what's happening uh, going forward. So, you know, when those one or two players do get their chances of just being productive. Sherelle, when we haven't seen as much productivity from these guys, is it, yeah, I'm going to ask you to speculate here, and I know we generally don't do that, but what do you think is happening with those guys? Is it just that the, the season's starting to get long for them? Is it the fact that the competition is becoming a little more stiff? Is it the fact that the games are starting to have a little more gravitas? What do you think is going on with the, with, with the freshmen right now? Yeah, I think they probably are getting close to hitting a little bit of a wall. Um, you know, they they are used to playing from usually the the last weekend Thanksgiving to you know early middle February something like that. But as far as fewer games, it's much less physical. Um, but I I think the whole rotation thing. I think Hubert Davis played subs out of necessity when he had to, and that's what we thought was a de- a bench being developed. Whereas more so, he didn't have a choice. I mean, if you look at Notre Dame, Seth Trimble played a lot because Pete Nance was hurt, and the best option was to go with the the kind of three guard lineup. Um, same thing against Wake Forest. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, uh, same situation. I, I actually, I think Nance played against Wake Forest. Excuse me. Notre Dame is when uh, I think he got hurt um, and missed that game. So they they went to the three guard lineup against Virginia. You know, Baycott gets injured in the first minute or so, and Nance isn't there. So you really don't have a choice but to play Washington and let him develop some. Um, so I don't know if it's as much uh, the bench was getting developed and is not playing anymore as they played when they were needed out of necessity, and now they're not needed as much. Um, and again, we still don't really know exactly how Heber Davis is going to play things moving forward. We we think we know. We have a year and a half sample, but it could be a situation next year where he has more faith and more trust um, in guys, you know, eight through thirteen off the bench. Whereas this year, it's pretty much. You know, one through six and a half, I would say, depending upon what game it is, which is the same as it was last year. Um, so I, that's my kind of read on, on the bench situation is that, yeah, you can develop a bench in practice, but I, I feel like he plays a bench out of necessity, not out of trying to rest starters or trying to gain momentum for the second half. He plays them when he kind of has to so far is what I've seen. And again, we've talked about it here before. He's very much a field-driven coach. It's you know game to game, situation to situation, opponent to opponent. 
And then when you throw in the fact that the team has not had everyone healthy except for uh, one game this year, I think I think that's that's that says a lot. Um, Cheryl, I want to I want to ask you: watching the NC State game, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, it seems that North Carolina may be improving a little bit on defense. Was the state game their best defensive performance? And I want to caveat that with when Quavion Smith went out, obviously that changes things for how NC State's going to run their offense. But even in the first half, you could see they were making some things difficult for the Wolfpack, even while North Carolina was not scoring quite a bit. Was So in your opinion, with, with those caveats in place, was that the best that the defense has played thus far? Uh, maybe consistently, maybe. Um, there was a stretch there where, where State was getting a lot of open looks. I think what they did better, I would say, in this game than maybe they've done in the past is not let, um, it is the kind of shots they were allowing. So I think in against State, you're fine, even though he had a great game. You're fine if it, it takes DJ Burns backing you down and making left handed hooks. You're fine if he does that 20 times. Like, that's a, I think it's an acceptable way to lose the game because you don't expect them to be able to continue to do it. I think the issue was when he started doing that and they double team, then, uh, you know, uh, Morel, is it Morel or Marcel? Marcel. Marcel. Yeah. Yeah. Marcel, the Virginia transfer, he hit two threes, I think on consecutive possessions once they started doubling. So I, I think they did a good job of limiting state's best players from taking the shots that they like. Smith had started to get going early in the second half and then kind of got off track from there. Um, Joiner hit a couple of pull-ups, but there was nothing where you're like, oh, this is a danger zone outside of those couple more sale threes. So maybe it wasn't the best defensive performance overall, but I think it was one of the best performances in limiting um, what the other, what the opponent wanted to do, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Sean, I want to go there too. I absolutely almost lost my lunch when they double teamed DJ Burns on consecutive <laughs> possessions because I hated, I hated the strategy involved and then the results were even worse, right? If DJ Burns is getting shots to Sherelle's point, you take those four as opposed to the six that you're going to give when you can't recover off the double team. Did you feel the same way, or did you feel like maybe that was an advantage to at least stop uh, the Burns onslaught for that you know minute, minute and a half, or whatever it was in the first half? Yeah, well, I mean, luckily in the second half, Burns Burns kind of stopped himself because it, it felt he could get pretty much whatever he wanted if he was going to be set on on backing down, whether it was. They caught or, or Nance in the post. Um, and he settled for a few, you know, I think he'd hit a few in a row, settled for a jump shot, took some bad shots. So he almost stopped himself in the first half. I could see why they wanted to double team. And initially it was nice because they didn't double team like in the Indiana game, uh, you know, from the, from the same side and they were bringing somebody over. But all of a sudden, they were so out of sorts and NC State was really moving the ball very, very crisply. And all of a sudden, it's finding more sell. And it's finding the bottom bottom of the net. Uh, so they obviously made in the second half a choice. Hey, we're going to play him straight up. And, and at times I was kind of hoping they were going to going to double team him, but they they kept with it. Uh, Burns started forcing some shots. NC State. Well, I don't think either team hit a three pointer in the second half, so uh, they they didn't have to worry about about that when they weren't leaving him. But it it was you know it was, it was interesting just having somebody of that size uh, create create that mismatch in the post. Usually we're used to seeing Armando create that, you know, create that mismatch. Uh, but I think they, they handled it well. And and luckily DJ uh, started settling for some 10, 10 footers. And uh, the other thing, Joey, too, I think it's almost as much about knowing the personnel, like you can double team, but the only person on state who's shooting a decent percentage from three with 
you know, a good amount of attempts is Marcel. Yeah. So if you double, you have to make sure that you don't double away from him or off whoever of him. <laughs> off of him or whoever um, has him doesn't double. That that can't be the person who doubles or that can't be the person who gets caught in recovery. They have to stick with that man. So, you know, the strategy, I think, was probably fine. It was just a little bit of the execution as far as knowing personnel um, and knowing who can shoot and, and maybe um, who has to try the best this season. Hey, and, you know, I always say this, you know, when people are losing their mind and getting mad about North Carolina, the game's not played in a vacuum. And I think right there, you have to tip your hat to NC State for recognizing the double and moving the ball to get it to Morsell. They did twice. And that's yeah. just that 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 takes a lot on the offense, too, to recognize, OK, this is what they're doing. Let's exploit their weakness in recovery and, and get our guy a clean look. All right, Sherelle, I know you're waiting for this. Let me hear your uh, let me hear your stat, your league only stat that you want to share with us. <laughs> Yeah, this is a fixture of the Coast to Coast podcast dating back to last year when we thought North Carolina was terrible defensively. And Booty. after each game, you know, we would go back and look at the, <laughs> the ACC um, conference only defensive efficiency and they'd be in the top five. And granted, they haven't played a great schedule. So normal caveats apply. They played the uh, 13th uh, strongest schedule in the ACC so far, according to Kim Palm. But all those caveats aside, they are number three behind Clemson and Virginia in conference-only defense. And we're almost, uh, Tuesday will be halfway through conference play. So that's not an insignificant number. Obviously, there's there's better offenses to play, but, yeah. um, you know, it's not insignificant. It, it says something that they are being at least competent and the teams that they're supposed to keep from scoring a lot, they're, they're keeping them from doing that. Now, also, I'll add, huge caveat, <laughs> they went two games where they allowed one three. So that's probably a big <laughs> part of that as well. That does make a little bit of a difference and will skew your stats. But as you said, um, this next stretch of seven games or so is, is going to tell a lot about this squad and whether they've actually rallied and galvanized and are starting to turn the corner or have turned the corner will be really easy to to recognize. It's almost as easy to recognize as a Johnny T-shirt read, right? Um, because you've got all of this this data out there you know, that jumps off a box uh, a box score and a stat sheet at you, just like all of the good deals and all of the pricing and all of the amazing array of of options for purchasing off the Johnny T-Shirt website, right? They're basically one and the same. Uh, Johnny T-Shirt has been sponsoring this show and Inside Carolina content in general for a long time. We're big fans of theirs. Uh, locally owned and operated, alumni owned and operated. They love North Carolina fans just as we do. We want you to show them some love. Hit them up. If you need jerseys, you know, we got, like Sherelle said, we got uh, just, you know, a dozen, give or take a handful of conference games left in the season. If you need a jersey to wear to the Smith Center or to wear to your watch party or to wear to your rival neighbor's house just to, you know, run off with the mouth to them, go to Johnny T-Shirt and get that jersey. Men's jerseys, women's jerseys. The women are on a tear right now. They're playing Georgia Tech as we record this. Uh, go get your jerseys from Johnny T-Shirt. Premium subscribers know you get the extra 10% off the top. Use it. Use Johnny T-Shirt. Enhance your wardrobe, expand your gear, be thankful. We appreciate you doing it, and so do they. All right, take a quick break. We're going to let the national guys run some ads, and when we come back, we've got a special guest. Hit me! James Brown. Not the godfather of soul. That would be really weird. But James Brown, the recent North Carolina commit, will be joining us, and we will talk to him about any and everything and see where the, where the conversation takes us. We're happy to have him. We'll be right back after this break. Thanks for being a part of this edition of the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we're back. Coast to Coast Podcast, latest edition here on Inside Carolina. We love doing these. Uh, and shout out to the magic of Sherelle and, you know, prospects just being good kids and being willing to talk to us. But we're going to talk with James Brown. Uh, one of the latest commitments to Hubert Davis and his staff at North Carolina. James, we appreciate you joining us, man, from 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 chi- just outside Chicago. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, man. Anytime we can kind of uh, we can kind of liven this show up with some youth and some some vigor, we're going to absolutely <laughs> do it. Um, so we're going to we're going to kind of roundtable some questions with you here. Again, we, we just want to hear more about, about James, the guy. We've, we've talked about James, the player, up and down, and we've done all the analysis, but I think our listeners and our viewers want to hear from, from JB, the guy. So, so let's get rolling. James, first thing I want to ask you, your words, your gut instinct, why North Carolina? Um, I would li- I'd say why North Carolina because of the initial relationship that I was able to build with Coach Davis and, and Coach May. And, um, you know, it all started uh, when I first talked to Coach Davis when I was at the, uh, the USA training camp um, over the summer in Colorado. Um, and just from then, I could tell he was an extremely genuine person and, and a great guy. And, um, you know, he seemed like he really cared for what he does and, you know, for his players. And, and just from then, being able to build on that relationship is something that really attracted me to North Carolina. Um, and then also something that I told Sherelle was, you know, North Carolina, the brand and, you know, the basketball and, and you know, just outside of basketball, just it being a great school. Um, you know, the, the opportunities that it could provide for me on and off the court are endless. So what I hear is I hear a young man that's had some media training because he reframed the question as soon as I asked it. And I, res- I respect the hell out of that. I'll be honest, JB. Cheryl, go ahead, man. No, I, I, I wanted to follow up with that. Um, you know, when did you know, like in your heart of hearts, that Carolina is where you wanted to go? Um, I, I, I had a feeling um, that I really like North Carolina after the visit, um, you know, just being able to to be down there and, and you know, the place and the campus in Chapel Hill is so special. Um, so after that, that was definitely something that stood out um, from my other visits. But, um, you know, the, the communication since I took my visit to North Carolina with some colleges, you know, it might have dropped off a little bit or with some, you know, they kind of talked to me, but, you know, it seemed like, um, you know, they were you know, it kind of something that not necessarily changed a little bit, but they might have like, you know, after they got my visit, I might have started prioritizing other people, stuff like that. But with Carolina, it just um, it picked up. So after that, it was just like maybe a couple a couple weeks, maybe a month after I took my visit. I kind of I was kind of like, man, like North Carolina, that's the school that I want to go to. Um, and then after that, it was kind of like just talking with my parents and, you know, kind of like, how do we want to go 
article about this, talking to Coach Davis, um, you know, kind of that that sort of thing. So I would probably say a couple months after I took my visit. So I don't think this made it into um, the first person story you wrote for Inside Carolina, which was really good, by the way. Um, uh, but tell me, how did it happen the, the day you committed? Uh, you, I think you we talked about it at some point, but it did get included in any of the coverage. Um, like you guys are riding home in the car and you call Coach Davis and, and what happens from there? Um, so I was, uh, so me and my dad were in the car, um, and we called coach Davis. Um, and you know, my dad was like, man, you know, we appreciate you for coming up to the game versus Whitney Young. Um, you know, kind of just wanted to know what he thought about, about the game. Coach Davis gave his honest feedback, thought I thought I played pretty well. A couple of things that he wanted to, to tweak about my performance. So I appreciated the criticism. Um, and then, you know, kind of just told him from there. He was like, man, you know, North Carolina has been a school that, um, you know, we've been looking at really closely and, you know, we feel like it would be the best place for for me. And then we feel like Coach Davis would be the best coach for me to coach me at the next level. Um, and, you know, he just uh, after after uh, we kind of told him, you know, he just kept talking about how excited he was and how thorough he was. And you know, it was really a great moment for for all, for everybody in the in the car and on the call. Um, but, you know, kind of just kind of just told him. And then after that, um, we kind of tried to find a date. Um, when we wanted to announce and how we wanted to announce. Um, and he said that uh, he was going to talk to the media people at North Carolina um, and kind of figure out how we wanted to go about everything. When, when, um, when, Coach, when Coach Davis first started talking to you, uh, had there been any prior indication of, of UNC interest prior to you being in, in Colorado Springs? And, and just in terms of UNC obviously being from the Midwest, were there any players – uh, that you had you kind of associated with North Carolina when you first started talking to them? Um, not not any prior. I hadn't talked to anybody from North Carolina prior to um, to going to, to Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, but being from the Midwest, um, I guess uh, the first person that comes to mind when I would think of North Carolina is kind of Bobby Frazier uh, <laughs> and being uh, him being a Chicago guy. And then also uh, not playing against him, but him coaching against me uh, my freshman and sophomore year when he was the the head coach at Brother Rice. Um, you know, that, that was kind of the first person that I um, that I kind of associated with North Carolina. Um, and then, you know, I know Tyler Hansborough played with the, the Indiana Pacers. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if he's from the Midwest or not, um, but, you know, just kind of associated with him being playing with the Midwest team in the NBA. Um, I kind of associated those two together as well. And then Coach May, um, now now knowing that he's from Indiana too. So, Hey, man, it's – look, uh, I, I may or may not have texted Bobby Fraser to ask him about you, just saying, <laughs> um, just putting that out there. And he was very, very familiar with your game and the fact that uh, – and the fact that they could never beat you guys, that was, <laughs> I, I believe that was something that Bobby shared with us. But, yeah, you know, there is a long lineage um, from Montrose to May to Hansborough being from Missouri and – uh, and now Jalen Washington on the roster. So you've you're jumping into a really good uh, pipeline of of players coming from that that Midwest uh, Midwest area. So I want to ask, what's what have things been like since you committed? How have things changed? Has it gotten a weight off your shoulders? You always hear about you know prospects saying that that things are so much easier to focus now when you make that commitment, get that over with. I'd like to ask you, what's different now since uh, since you've made your commitment? Um, one thing that I would say that's been different um, is it definitely does provide some sort of relief knowing that you're um, you're locked in with the school. 
Um, you know, you don't have to worry about talking to different coaches and stuff like that. You got, you, you know, who you're locked in with, you know, where you want to go. You're, you're basically just focusing on, on getting better and preparing yourself for that next level. Um, obviously one goal that um, me and my high school want to do is uh, win a state championship. So I feel like um, ever since committed to North Carolina, I've definitely been able to, to be a better teammate um, and, you know, kind of help provide for the team in ways that I couldn't, um, you know, it being a better leader and, and things like that. But, um, one thing that's definitely been different is just um, the the amount of people that walk up to me. We go to different showcases and the amount of different people I see in North Carolina jerseys or North Carolina T-shirts that are just like, man, you know, congratulations. Welcome man. you know, we're excited to watch you play. Um, just the really the whole North Carolina basketball family is has been really embracing um, since I committed. And that's just something that I that I really, really appreciate, especially being in Chicago or um, we were in Quincy, Illinois this past weekend um, or in uh, Bass Pro Shops in Missouri. Just, you know, kind of seeing how everybody people are just everywhere um, and fans of North Carolina and just, you know, being extremely welcoming to me and my family. That's something that's really stood out and been been different. One thing we hear from a lot. A lot of guys now, since Hubert Davis has been head coach, just just about the family atmosphere at UNC. I mean, it's it's been a thing since before Hubert, but I think he's kind of uh, enhanced it and and definitely talks about it more. What was your experience with that when you were on campus, and then you know since you've been committed during the recruiting process, um, etc. Uh, yeah, it's very true. Um, coach Davis, um, and not just Coach Davis, but the whole the whole staff and the whole kind of Carolina community is just um, has really kind of showed that family atmosphere. Um, you know, one of the things that stood out um, on my visit to North Carolina, um, kind of stepping away from from Coach Davis, was just um, you know being able to hang out with uh, Jalen Washington and Seth Trimble and, and Tyler Nickel, and I'm sure. Coach Davis isn't going to be too happy when I say this, but, you know, just hanging out with them, you know, we kind of stayed up. We were up, you know, just kind of chilling in the dorms till about about five in the morning. I think that's when when they finally drove me back to uh, back to the Carolina Inn. But um, but, you know, just just the connection that I was able to build with them. It wasn't a, a connection where it was like after I left my visit, you know, I still talk to Jalen and Tyler and Seth. Um, you know, to this day and kind of just ask them about, you know, how things are going, you know, what are they looking forward to? Um, so, you know, I would say that, that, you know, even before I was committed, they really kind of embraced me into their family. And um, so that, that family atmosphere is definitely real. Um, and then with Coach Davis, um, you could just tell in the way that, that he coaches um, and the passion that he coaches with. That was one thing that, that kind of excited me about him um, was just that, that passion and that fire that he coached with, even uh, yesterday when I was I didn't watch the NC State game, but I, I listened to it. I'm on the radio um, and just just hearing about how uh, the announcers coach Davis is fired up. You know, that's kind of <laughs> I hear every single game that I look at or that I watch. Um, so, you know, just seeing that is just it just really shows how he cares in that family atmosphere. From from an on the court perspective, I know you've been busy playing a lot of both in Chicago as well as a lot of the tournaments you just you just mentioned. But how would you kind of describe your game from both the strengths and and areas of improvement perspective? I think I got to watch you in Kansas City over the summer a little bit uh, in, in some of the Nike EYBL, but even watching videos before that, I think the thing that jumps out is your ability to finish around the basket with both hands, uh, yep. and then you're you're stepping out and hitting you know shooting free throws and hitting jump shots with your right hand, but you almost prefer uh, to shoot you know closer in with your left hand and. I've read you're a lefty, but so explain the whole left-handed, right-handed situation as well as how you would describe your game right now. Um, so the the left the left-handed right-hand situation. So I'm naturally left-handed. So I okay. write with my left. 
I eat with my left hand. I do I do everything with my left hand. Um, but when I was when I was taught to play basketball, um, I always shot with my right hand for some reason. I never know why. I never know. I never kind of understand why I did that. But I just I would always just shoot with my right hand. So when I'm playing, um, I'm always kind of looking to go left. And it's actually it's actually kind of predictable a little bit because I've, I've talked with my coaches about this and something I've also talked with Coach May about is, you know, kind of balancing it out because I, I do go left a lot. Um, but, you know, I can also finish with my right hand. Um, but, you know, I do prefer to go left. And uh, my overall game, um, I'd say one thing that I'm definitely trying to work on is becoming a more versatile player, um, you know, more of a modern big man, being able to step out and, and shoot it, like you said. Um, but, you know, being able to start the break um, with a couple of dribbles and outlet the ball, being able to play on the perimeter, work, uh, work in dribble handoffs and pitches and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that I would definitely say that I, that I'm looking to improve and looking to improve on. Um, and then defensively, um, I would say, you know, I think I need to work on my timing better when it comes to blocking shots. Um, I feel like, uh, in transition, if I'm going for a chase down or something like that, I feel like I'm really good with that. But when it comes to, um, like coming over and stepping in to help, I feel like I, I sometimes miss times blocks or stuff like that. So I would definitely say those are some things that I, that I need to work on. On the recruiting trail, uh, when, when Coach Davis, you told me one of the times we talked that he was offering constructive criticism. I think you said it earlier. How, how do how do you receive that the first time? Because like, for people who don't know, recruiting is like coaches want to tell you everything you want to hear. They want to tell you that James Brown is the greatest player of all time. That he's going to come in. He's going to shot. Yeah, he's going to get twenty five <laughs> shots a game. You know, he can hit from three. He can. He can hit from two. He can hit from half court. He can do it all. So when Hubert Davis is like, uh, you might need to work on this particular thing. How did you receive it that first time? Um, I appreciated it because, um, you know, my dad has put me in a lot of a lot of different coaching situations. And, and even him himself, he's a he's a really he's a brutally honest person. Um, so, you know, he's always taught me you know, take things on the chin and, you know, to, to listen and try to improve yourself. So when, when coach Davis, um, you know, told me what he thought about, uh, about different parts about my game, you know, the first thing I kind of reacted was, man, like, you know, he's really watching and he's really paying attention and, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to help me become better. So, you know, I was really appreciate appreciative of it because, um, you know, in the recruiting game, you know, it's a business. So there are a lot of people who are going to, um, you know, tell you everything you want to hear, um, and, you know, kind of, tell you everything that you want to hear and you want to and you want to know but um in reality that's not it's not really life so I really appreciated that that he was able to be be honest with me and you know that shows that he's trying to help me become a better player and a better person and and that differentiated UNC for you is that is that fair yeah it is that that's extremely fair to say that that's definitely something where I was like where, I, where it was fair to see so uh obviously there was a big announcement on Monday for UNC uh, I was bothering you trying to get information on it over the weekend, <laughs> asking everyone I could. But now that Ian Jackson is committed to UNC, kind of what, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, did you see it coming? Um, I didn't see it coming. When I found out that uh, he was going on an official visit, I was like, OK, I was like, all right, that's good. <laughs> people people usually don't go on official visits midway through the season if they're uh, if they're not really interested in going to a school. Um, but, you know, being on social media and looking at different sites, I'd always seen, uh, oh, Kentucky 100%, Kentucky 100%, blah, blah, blah. But uh, seeing that he's uh, that he's coming to North Carolina, it's extremely, it's ex I'm extremely happy about it. Um, you know, I'm, I've met Ian a, a couple of times at, a, at different USA camps and, and Pangos camps and, and stuff like that. So he's a really cool dude to be around. Um, you know, I'm really excited to play with him. I love his game. I love how he plays in transition and I love 
how he's able to to knock down open shots and how he can get downhill. He can do a little bit of everything. So I'm really excited to to be able to play with him. I think um, I think our games can really uh, can really help each other. You know, Ian Jackson when he was the most recent player to commit, but in in your class right now, it's it's uh, four four players with Elliot Cadeau, who I know you just played against a few weeks ago, but also Drake Powell. Uh, were you able to play against him at all in the 16 and under circuit him be, uh, Drake playing for CP3 and what are your thoughts on the class the class overall um I, I never did get a chance to to play against Drake um but my thoughts on the my thoughts on the class overall is I think we have a, a chance to be something really really special um and I think we have a we have a chance to to kind of add to the the greatness of North Carolina basketball um you know you, you're getting four really good players four players that are going to play hard four players that are going to going to do whatever it takes to to win um and when you when you get stuff like that with a coach like coach Davis and a coaching staff like North Carolina has you know there's nothing but greatness ahead of it um so I'm I'm really excited um, to get down to North Carolina, and I'm really excited for for the things that this class could have in store. James, I want to ask you. You said you haven't had a chance. Search real. Uh, you said you haven't had a chance to. You didn't get a chance to watch the NC State game. Obviously, you've got your own season going on. Have you had a chance to see many UNC games? And if so, just what's your vibe around around the roster and, and around the way the team's playing right now? Um, I, I have had a chance to, to watch a good amount of North Carolina games. I know that's one thing that me and my family um, always try to do um, is, you know, look, see, that's one thing I'm always asking Coach May is, you know, when you guys play again, um, you know, what time you guys play, what channel is it going to be on, um, things like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm really liking how they're, they're, the team kind of started off a little slow. Um, I think it was the the PK-80 tournament that they went into and dropped a couple games. And I know a lot of people were talking on social media about, oh, you know, overrated, blah, 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 not that good. Um, but, you know, I kind of talked to Coach Man. I was like, man, you guys will be fine. You know, every team, you know, kind of with my high school team, every team, you know, has those slow starts or they, they get into a groove or, you know, losing a couple games. But I'm glad that they're starting to pick it up. Um, I they're on a four or five game win streak right now, I believe. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to see that, that they're being successful. And, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to shock a lot of people um, when it comes to the tournament and when it gets down to it um, because of the slow start, but you know, I'm not, I'm not worried. I know, I know they've got a great team. They've got a great roster and I'm excited to see what they'll do later down in the season. Yeah. James, again, you are a pro with this. Uh, I don't know if anyone's told you that, but you are really, really good at it and you have a future in it. So we should talk off air. Um, <laughs> but on a, on a serious note, you, you've mentioned social media a few times. Um, all of us are, are older, kind of fully formed, so to speak. And, you know, it is what it is. But for, for you all and, and people your age, social media is, is, is a huge deal. You know, Instagram and, and TikTok and Twitter and all those things. How do you or how have you handled like the criticism that comes with being, you know, one of the best players in the country that comes with playing in a huge city like Chicago that now comes uh, with being a commitment to UNC. Like, how do you how do you process all that? Um, I really try not to pay attention to it. Um, I know that's a lot easier said than done because, <laughs> um, you know, I am a person that, you know, I, I am on my phone a lot. I will admit that. Um and that's something that I am trying to work on. I've been talking with my dad about that a lot, being on my phone so much. But um, uh, you know, really try to try to not pay attention to it. You know, um, you know, there are there are always going to be people that have some negative to say. Um, so you know, really, really just trying not to pay attention to it and kind of just um, you know, stick to stick to myself. And you know, I know what I can do, and I know 
um, you know, I know that I, I feel like I'm a pretty talented player and I feel like you know, I'm pretty good. So I just, you know, kind of sticking to that and kind of trying to have confidence in myself has been the big thing to kind of just not pay attention to it. I want to, I want to jump in and uh, just ask you two, two kind of different questions. One of them focusing on Chicago hoops. Uh, I, I lived there for about five years and, and got to watch a lot of Chicago, Chicago basketball. I think a lot of people have seen hoop dreams way back in the nineties, but how is it for you, you know, playing um, at St. Rita have produced a lot of well-known players, but I know you, you also have a pretty big commute as well. Um, so what's it like just playing in one of the meccas of, of high school hoops, but also having, you know, having a lot of responsibility with that, whether it's the commuting, you know, living up to expectations, uh, you know, watching some great players that have come before you. What's it like playing high school in Chicago? Um, you know, it's extremely difficult. I won't even, I won't, uh, I won't lie. Uh, Chicago basketball is, it's got, it's got some of the best basketball in the country. Um, you know, I think one thing that, that definitely separates Chicago basketball from basketball across the country is the, the type of toughness that you have to play, um, playing against people that are going to, they're going to make, they're going to let you feel it, um, for all, what is it? 32 minutes of a game. Um, so, you know, that, that, that takes a certain type of toughness. Um, it's extremely physical, um, you know, not a lot, not a lot of fouls called, but, you know, it's extremely physical, um, you know, and it, it takes a different type of mindset uh, to play in Chicago. You really have to, that, that toughness mind, that toughness thing. It, it really, it really is something that you have to have when you play. Um, but, um, talk, but talking about the, uh, talking about the, the commute part, um, you know, that's something that's not, that's not easy either. Um, you know, getting up around five forty-five, six in the morning every day. Um, and then driving all the way down, driving or having dropped off um, in about Lamont and then being picked up by the St. Rita bus um, and making that hour drive every single day. Um, you know, that's something that's not that's not easy also. But it, um, it's something that I feel like has built up character for me and kind of kind of helped me because um, in college, you know, they're going to be early mornings um, and stuff like that. So I feel like that's something that's really prepared me um, for college. Didn't, didn't you say that you have. Um had like the exact times it's like you have to be at the at the bus at 6 36 a.m and you get home at exactly 8 39 or something like that what, what yeah. are the exact numbers so um so i'll wake up about 5 45 somewhere some sometimes i get up at 5 45 sometimes uh you know my mom or my dad might be like yo you overslept the <laughs> clock let's go <laughs> but um um, so about about in that 545 to 6 area is when I'm waking up, up um, and then we're leaving the house about 620, 625-ish. Um, and the, the bus stop is probably about 20, 25 minutes away. So we're getting there about 650. Um, and then I'm taking the bus to St. Rita, which we usually get there about 8 o'clock, 810. Um, and then go through a whole school day, um, get out of practice um, around 545 6 um, and then I'm taking the bus all the way back to when I usually get back um, to Lamar where my dad will pick me up around 7 30 and then I usually get home about 8 8 15 on some nights pass <laughs> <laughs> not interested I mean I, I respect the commitment I really do but that's my my brain would not have been wired to to handle that sort of commitment of course I also you know wasn't six nine and extremely gifted at basketball so maybe that's maybe that's a different frame Sean, you got anything else for for James? Yeah, I got one one last question. I was watching uh, your, one of your games earlier this week against uh, De La Salle, which you, which you guys which you guys won. Uh, it was a game, at least early on, where you, you weren't getting a lot of touches, but there was one play that actually jumped out, and I, it kind of goes to what you were saying 
saying earlier about you know being with your teammates and and one of your guards I, I forget who it was but they got a steal first or second quarter and they were going up for a dunk you you started sprinting you got to about mid court as soon as they went up for the dunk you started jumping in the air just like you were about to dunk right with them uh and i i actually rewound it to watch it watch it again but it it was really just showing kind of how in tune you were and and happy you were for that for that moment for your teammates but how is it you know just playing you know i guess being an unselfish player and and playing playing for a group instead of you know just playing for yourself um you know that's something that um i feel like i pride myself on is you know being a team player and um you know it's you know a dunk a dunk can can do so many things in a game it's uh so much more than than two points that's something that my dad has been telling me for a while um so and i i mean i guess uh to answer to go back a little bit um so the player that actually stole the ball um is is melvin bell uh, he's a mm-hmm. sophomore um and this summer he broke he had a really bad knee injury um so it's kind of caused uh, cause his recovery and, and, you know, his time to come back. It's been, it's been a long, hard road for him um, to get back. Um, so, you know, especially in that moment, being able to see him, you know, kind of go up to it for a dunk and, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have seen him play, but, but his freshman year, Melvin was, Melvin was really special. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of see everything that he's gone through over the past couple of months and to be able to see him get that dunk is something that definitely has caused a lot of excitement for me and my team. Um, but, but going back to the question, um, you know, that's something that I definitely try to pride myself on is, you know, having a good attitude and, and being a good team player. Um, and, and, you know, even if, if it's not my night scoring or if it's not my night getting the ball, um, you know, just still, you know, just trying to be positive and be a leader. Um, cause you know, the, the, the overall outcome that everybody wants is to win. Um, so, so yeah. All right, James. We've gotten through the hard part of the show. <laughs> now we're now we're really going to get into the the meat and potatoes and the stuff that everybody's really here uh, to learn about you. It's going to be kind of some rapid fire, short answer type questions, but I'm going to throw these at you. And I want you to just respond to them without thinking. All right? Okay. All right. First one: favorite Jordans. Elevens, uh, <laughs> eleven or ones? Okay. Because again, you know, Carolina's a, a Jordan school, which I know you've right. you had your photos made in front of the wall. That's that's an important thing that you got to go ahead and get your arms around. All right, <laughs> what what are you listening to right now? Um, a lot of a lot of Lil Durk. I, I listen to a lot of Lil Durk. That's probably my favorite artist. All right, Cubs or Sox? Sox. Okay, Southside. All right, Chicago style pizza or Chicago beef sandwich? uh oh that that's a tough one um if it's pizza um i'll go for lumo now i'll say chicago i'll go lumo Nottis. but if it's if it's a beef sandwich it has to be from portillo's all right pizza uh, isn't pizza had plenty of those before <laughs> see look, i told you this is this is the real stuff that, that we're here to talk about is this is the important stuff if you have to eat it with a fork, it's not pizza. Uh, don't be a hater, Sherell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, James. This is the, keep in mind. This is going to this is going to really affect your college career on how you answer this next question. Okay. What are your thoughts on sweet tea? <laughs> I like I like sweet tea. Um, no, I like I like sweet tea. Sweet tea, it's not bad. I, I prefer it with a little bit of lemonade, though, kind of like a little Arnold Palmer. Okay. That's that's not a bad answer. It's you. A lot of times, people make the mistake uh, and kind of uh, they'll they'll downplay sweet tea or they'll try to you know try to act as if it has no value. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you: when you move down here, it will change your life. 
Um, okay. So that's that's an important <laughs> thing to remember. Uh, favorite UNC oh. player of all time? You cited Hansborough a little bit. You cited some of the guys that have come from the Midwest. But uh, who's your favorite Carolina player of all time? Um. So if you would have asked me this question uh, about a month ago, I probably would have said Vince Carter. But somebody that I'm really – that I'm really starting to 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 like and kind of model my game after is definitely Armando. Um, you know, seeing the way that he broke the rebounding record last night and the the double double record is something that that's extremely amazing. So um, I guess I guess I'll kind of go. Uh, I mean, I guess you could throw Michael Jordan in there too. <laughs> uh, there there are a lot of great UNC players to choose from. So um, I'll, I'll I'll say Armando and MJ. There's a little bit of a tie with with Chicago and, and MJ. I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, listen. Uh, um, all right, last question. We're going to let you get out of here. What's the one thing that you want listeners and viewers of this show or Carolina fans in general to expect from you when you put on the jersey? Um, I would say that you're going to get somebody that's going to go out there every single night and try and help the team win. Um, somebody's going to go out there and, and play as hard as possible, and somebody's going to go out there and do – you know, and just kind of lay it all out there on the line for those 40 minutes or however long a college game is. I mean, somebody that's really that's really invested um, in North Carolina on and off the court and somebody that just wants to see North Carolina be great. Man, from from your lips to God's ears, I'm sure the folks listening and watching the show are going to absolutely gobble that up. James, we appreciate it, man. You've been a, a real pleasure to talk to. And, and I know Sheryl hinted at it a second ago, but um I'm a little worried because at least in four years you're going to be coming for our job. So uh, I, I want to I want to make sure that um, I want to make sure you have as long of a basketball career as you can, so that we can keep doing this and you can you you can kind of keep taking our jobs in the, in the back burner for a little bit. But uh, you've been great, man. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, give your parents a shout out for helping to organize this, and uh, and we hope nothing but the best for you as the season wraps up for you and St. Rita's, and then uh, hopefully we'll talk to you sometime in the very near future. Yeah, man. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. And um, yeah, thank you. This has been this has been great. Thank you. All right, y'all. That's James Brown, uh, a recent addition to the 24 class for Hubert Davis and staff joining us live from just outside of Chicago, Illinois, on this edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. But we're going to put a bow on this for James, for Sherelle, for Sean Moran. Shout out to Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring the show. Uh, shout out to John Siegley for producing, for all you guys for being a part of it, for watching, for listening. Don't forget, rate, review us. Uh, give us a good rating. We, we we haven't seen any good ratings in a while. We haven't seen any ratings in a while. We know you guys love the show, so make sure you drop us a five-star in there and give us a review. We appreciate it. I am just Joey Powell. We appreciate you being a part of the show. We will catch you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Talk to you later. Late. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.